Welcome to the Brains Magazine podcast, a podcast with in-depth interviews and conversations with world-class entrepreneurs, expert coaches, industry leaders, and international celebrities. Get exclusive insight into the world of business, mindset, leadership, and lifestyle with your host, Mark Sefton. I want to welcome you to this next episode of the Brains Magazine podcast. And today we have Danae Dumas. Now, Danae is committed to providing holistic care. She's also a sex therapist, uh, intimacy and relationship coach. How are you today, Danae? I'm good. I'm very good. good. How are you? Good. Yes, I'm good. And uh, we were we were having a bit of a chuckle about um, your surname, Dumas, and uh, yes. referencing... Uh, the great film Shawshank Redemption. Of, that is correct. Yeah, we've got to love that film and where the guy was like, oh, it's Dumas. <laughs> and it was so funny. Uh, and it just brought me back there. That's a great film though, isn't it? It's a very good film. Very good film. Oh, yeah, I love I love films. Like I think I think in all three of the books that I've wrote, I think I've referenced films like in each and every one of them. Because I always find that I can draw something out from from a film. Are you are you similar that way, or do you literally just watch a film and that's it? No, I absolutely love film. Um, my dad and I used to watch a lot of films together, so it's so I love the experience of going back and seeing a film you've seen, and then catching Easter eggs or things you didn't see before. Or yeah, film is amazing. <laughs> It is. And can you believe, right, that today is like the last day of the first six months of the year? I cannot believe that. I really cannot. Bonkers. It's bonkers. <laughs> it is. And I think it just became officially summer like two weeks ago, Not really recently. Mm, yeah, exactly. So it's, it's unbelievable. Have you got kind of an idea of kind of, I don't know, what you would like to achieve by the end of the year? Have you got kind of like a word that you could like maybe associate with with finishing this year strong over the next six months? Oh, good gracious. I have a lot of words to say about this year. Um, I probably, if I had to associate one word, it would be, okay, this isn't one word, but the concept of leap of faith just to continue to be fearless in how I move forward. And while I have ideas of where I want to go, I also want to open up the space for the X factor of life, for things unknown to happen and, and to materialize. So that's kind of the way I see the rest of the year going. Sounds good. Sounds good. Right. Now, you're committed to providing holistic care. You're a sex therapist, intimacy mm-hmm. and relationship coach, right? So we will talk a little bit about sex. I think that it's <laughs> kind of a topic that we haven't really covered so much, at least on the podcast. Okay. Um, so I do think that, you know, let's, I like to hit things head on. I also think it's important to actually maybe uh, discuss some things that are, are less talked about, because I think that it gives a little bit of credence to really changing and creating more of a healthier viewpoint on sex so I want to do that so we'll we will get into that a little um but I want to start with uh intimacy so 
you know, we hear the certain words that we hear all the time, Danae, mm-hmm. and uh, I always like to quantify and uh, I like people to kind of give their take, especially if they're in that industry, which is what you're in. But what, what is true intimacy and how do we create it with a, with another? Okay. So I think true intimacy is the ability to cultivate a relationship with someone that goes often, while intimacy can incorporate um, sex or physical touch, it kind of goes beyond that. And it's cultivating an environment where one feels safe, they're safe to show who they truly are, to express their feelings, to express their fears, their doubts. And they really feel seen and heard when they're able to do that with the other person. Mm. I like that you you've talked outside of physical touch and sex because mm-hmm. they're almost like the response to some of the other things that are going on. And you know, I wanted to, I do want to talk to you about the difference between men and women because I have quite a lot of thoughts on this, and I think that okay. could be quite helpful anyway. Okay. Um, you know, and I love I love talking about the masculine and the feminine, right? And and when the masculine is in its in its fullness, it actually mm-hmm. enables a, a woman to tap into her feminine. I really believe that you mentioned this word safety. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, for me, creating that safety is really. Would you agree? Is like the fundamental to intimacy because if you don't have that is it really intimacy or maybe it's just meeting a need because sometimes we often see sex as 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 a need rather than it being an expression of something more meaningful yeah absolutely i think that the key to cultivating safety and when we talk about safety in this particular context we're really talking about one feeling safe to be able to really show their true colors, to be able to have boundaries and know their boundaries will be respected, to be able to say, well, this is something I'm thinking about. What do you think about that? It's really kind of allowing someone to come out and show all parts of themselves in ways that often we're not able to do in life in other areas. Mm. And then how can we have a, a healthier v- viewpoint of sex? I think that everybody has their own personal view of what sex is. Um, and some of it has negative connotation. And then some of it, you know, can be quite cold in the sense of people may say it's just instinct uh, and it's just innate. Uh, and then for the romantics, it's something much more, <laughs> you know, meaningful. Like, But what what is a way that we can we can maybe view sex a little more healthier than than maybe what the world has kind of portrayed on us? Yeah, I think that when one happens to receive messages around sex that are what one could consider not the most healthy or negative, I think it's important to really interrogate your own relationship to sex and what your own ideas around sex are. And that's the beginning because as you begin to say, well, why do I believe whatever you believe, then you can start to see how some of different aspects of your community, your family system, your religion have affected those beliefs. And then taking it a step further, you then say, well, does this work for me or does this not? Is this helping me build the type of relationship and partnership that I want to 
to build. I also think it's really important to see sex not just as something that is. It's really an exploration for growth. Now, what growth looks like depends on each individual person, but it's something that can expand over time. And when you see sex as expansive, then it almost becomes, in theory, limitless. Mm, yeah. I like that you talked about it being an exploration for growth. Do you, do you find that sex is always good for, for our mental health? Or do you think that actually maybe it can sometimes be more of a stumbling block? I think it depends on your relationship to it. I think when you are seen as a holistic person and sex is a aspect of that, then that's different than if, if sex is being used in a particular way. And mm. of course that begins to be nuanced. So it's like, what is your relationship to sex? What are you trying to receive from sex or what are you trying to get from sex? And if what you're trying to get is either a reflection in theory of your self-worth, your self-esteem, what it messages to other people, then that perhaps needs to be more interrogated. But if you see sex as part of a holistic um, way in which you move through the world, then it's part of a balancing system of different kind of um, aspects of your personality. Mm. I think I think one of the more lighthearted and, and funny sides <laughs> of, of of sex is is this thought that if you don't have sex, it causes problems. Uh, if, you, <laughs> if you do have sex, it causes problems. You might as well have sex. Yeah. <laughs> Fair enough, right? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I hear you. I hear you. You know, I think that the beauty of kind of taking a more individualistic approach to sex is that there are some people who are asexual and do not want to have sex. And that's okay. And then there are people who <laughs> I see you shaking your head. <laughs> it's all relative. I'm like, I can't relate to that. What is that? <laughs> well, then you, that will not be you. <laughs> but then there are other people who value um their sexuality in a particular way and that's okay too as long as once again the way that we engage is is not harmful to others or ourselves yeah i think you're saying you know it's our relationship to it and, and what it means i i think that goes with with anything in life right it's really how how we perceive it mm -hmm. uh how we relate to it what's going on internally that is an expression of, a, of an outward absolutely absolutely and we all carry individual identities and individual lived experiences and to not acknowledge how that influences the way that we relate to sex would be doing a disservice to our growth in that area mm. then danae how much <laughs> self-acceptance and love is critical for creating intimacy with another <laughs> i know you, i know you're kind of like on the edge here of what i'm gonna throw at you <laughs> <laughs> well you gotta love yourself <laughs> i mean you, okay so self-love is really really important is everybody a hundred percent 
you know, loving of all the things about themselves. No, I think that we're all in different stages of growing and, and um, even understanding why we do the things that we do. I think that's really important to know. But when we're talking about creating a fun, explorative relationship or experience with sex, it is important to love yourself because if you know what pleases you, you can then be able to message that to your partner so that they know how to please you. Yeah. And hopefully if they're clued up, you don't have to kind of like whack them around the head with what they like. (laughs) Exactly. But that's part of self-love, right? Self-love is taking that journey and figuring out what you do know and what you do like so that Mm. when when it comes time to explore, you clearly know where you're headed (laughs) yeah Yeah. so because we're talking about relationship with this Mm -hmm. how do we then relate better to to ourselves so obviously we we talk a lot about the mind and body connection Mm -hmm. so how do we connect the the mind and the body leading to a a healthier sexual experience because like with anything the way that we relate to something can then really unlock not only the way we receive, but also express. Okay. How do the mind-body connection relate to having a pleasurable sex life in theory? Yeah. And how do we how do we how do we improve that so that we can all have an improved, healthier sexual experience because of connecting those two? Yeah. So the the way that mind works in the sexual experience is your anticipation or your openness or your idea of what that means and how that connects to the body is the more you feel free in the body that you're in the more you're able to follow pleasure and that's ultimately what sex is well that is partly what sex can be about right depending on how people define it but when you're in that exploration for pleasure then you can release some of the messaging messages we have around sex to be able to really find pleasure at its peak and then to know that you can continue to continually push the bounds of that pleasure which is really exciting but Mm. having that symbiosis right between how you feel in your body and the way that you see yourself can really catapult your sex life because they are on the same page but in theory if you have a problematic relationship with your body for whatever reason that it is you may be more shy to show parts of it or you may hesitate to have people touch certain parts of your body if you are perhaps stumbling with the idea of your own sexuality or even kind of thinking that sex is ultimately not necessarily for pleasure, then that's going to stop you from being able to feel the pleasure within your own body. So ideally, you want both mind body to kind of be on the same page, whatever Mm. that page means for the person. Mm. Like that. Do you think there's a right way then to view sex? Do you think that do you think humanity as a whole has it right? Or do you think it needs a, a bit of a paradigm shift in terms of how it views it? I think it needs a total paradigm shift on how it views it. I think there needs to be more openness about talking about sex, 
the funny elements of sex, the awkward elements of sex, the amazing elements of sex, and really giving people the tools so that they can make decisions for themselves. And I think the more that you talk about sex, the less that there is an area for um, for exploitation and abuse and all those things because you're really giving people information on how to have body autonomy, how to understand what consent is, mm-hmm. and how to be able to set up the sexual experience and what is a realistic expectation of that, which is even more important, right? Because we have all these ideas of what sex should look like in relationships or or who should be having sex or when you're the most sexually attuned we have all these ideas and culture of what that looks like and oftentimes that's not true and it's not accurate for everybody hmm. now come on then Danae I think me and you can really help some people <laughs> here in, in this next kind of like segment if you like so yes tell hopefully you would have heard about this and if not that's also fine because if you have we'll have a lot to talk about if you haven't we'll have a lot to talk about so one thing that (laughs) yeah one thing that I think is really helpful here obviously I'm a man you're a woman so you Mm -hmm. have a woman's perspective I have a man's perspective and generally speaking and obviously not because that we do have same-sex relationships uh, as well in, in our in our world um but I'm going to be talking more from from male to female um okay. men are microwaves and women are ovens have you heard this no i have not but i'm excited to hear okay so men are microwaves we literally we have a bit of a, a negative stigma here men because you know we're often told we're a two-minute wonder right so the idea with with a microwave is obviously it fires up really quickly heat heats up you know, and and is cooked within a couple of minutes. It's ding, you know, it's there, <laughs> right? Yes. Then a woman being an oven, right? She takes longer to to warm up, right? So the, there's a lot more going on. There needs more time in order for her to reach the the peak temperature of what a man just did in two minutes. Uh, but once that woman is lit and she's hot. She's hot for a lot longer than the what than what a man is, right? So this is where I really feel like we can help people, right? So okay. there's nothing, I mean, it's just a part of being a man, right? We do fire up quick. We're ready to rock and roll within minutes, right? You know, a, a woman, she often needs time to, to to warm up and heat up, right? And that's that's not her fault either. There's like no one to blame here, but I'm I'm bringing this up because I feel like we have a chance here to maybe heal some relationships, help some relationships, you know, and actually maybe have a bit of talk around it. So with with this in mind, you know, knowing that neither of us are in the wrong, we're going to have some some confrontation around that and we have to be mindful. So the woman can't scold the man if she says to him, you know, darling, you're always horny or you, or you always want sex. And the woman's saying, no, you know, just, just woo me a little bit, like – you know, get me into a, a place where I'm ready. Mm-hmm. Like, let's talk about this a little bit, uh, Danae. So maybe respond to what I've just shared and then we can just talk a little bit around it. <laughs> okay, I think what you're talking about is um, receptive and spontaneous desire. And spontaneous desire is kind of the framework that you used for the microwave in which you see something and you're like, I, it's, I'm ready. I'm ready, I'm ready. And receptive is kind of more taking more time, 
And while you may not be turned on when you are actually involved in sexual activity, that gets you wanting to do more. So that's kind of what you're talking about with your framework. There's a really great book um, by, I believe the author's name is Emily Nagoski, Come As You Are. And it really frames uh, what in the book is called the dual control model, which is this idea of understanding what is your accelerator, things that turn you on, and what is your break, things that prevent you from being turned on. This is a way we can help people. The more that you understand what turns you on, and then what also is your break, i.e. stress can be a break, a dirty house can be a break, um, being overworked can be a break, um, having the TV on could be a break. There's so many things that can kind of prevent one from really tapping into um, their desire or wanting to engage sexually. And the more that you understand that, then you're better able to set up circumstances that will make it that your desire is more spontaneous or rather um, you can tap into your desire more willingly. Mm. And, you know, I'm very mindful that there's certain things in life that if if the right information goes into the wrong hands, then, then that <laughs> right. often can, I find, can then be manipulative. So, you know, for me as a, as a man, I, I know mm -hmm. that if you make love to a woman's mind first, mm -hmm. you have a you have a, a greater chance of making love to her body, right? Now, a lot okay. of men, a lot okay. of men think that, you know, they go after the physical side, but actually whenever I've identified and connected intellectually or emotionally with a woman, it's kind of put me way ahead of the ga game than any of the guys that are just relating to the physical side of her. Now, would you say that's true? I would say that that is primarily true, yes. And may I ask a question yeah. of my own? Yeah. Well, how do you go about doing that? I would love to hear. Well, I mean, from, from my point of view, I think that it really helps that I have two daughters, right? Because one of the things that I believe has stood me in good stead with 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 women i don't just mean like romantically but just women as a whole like 85 mm -hmm. percent of my clients are, are women so it's like you know because i'm literally looking at a woman like she's somebody else's daughter that yeah. really that really enables the way that i speak and see her uh in, in a in a healthy way and i talk about this in in my latest book mark of a man okay. um so for, for me in terms of how do i go about that is very much about honoring the energy and the woman that she is in a way that she feels yes seen and heard and it's it's, it's, a, it's around that so for me it's about building that and creating that space you know we talked about what you talked about about safety you know for mm -hmm. me that's that's how that is cultivated yeah I think that's really great and I think sometimes when and this is kind of a grand statement, right? Because we're kind of using a very binary um, way of looking at gender. But let's take the binary. I think for people who identify as women, you are often approached from a physical place before you're ever approached from an emotional intellectual place. And so if you're constantly being approached physically, after a while, it gets annoying. It's like I have 
something to say there's something behind what may be presented on the physical front and if once again using um, the gender binary if a man can see through that and is able to say well i see that i find you attractive but what i really want to know is what do you think what gets you not turned on sexually but what makes you excited about life what do you want to do what do you have to say then oftentimes that's the beginning step to not only the intimacy we kind of spoke about before but ultimately the safety which then leads to ultimate play and exploration then you get the sex you want in theory in theory (laughs) yeah it's interesting you know because we know we 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 talked about it in society you know that that sex isn't the be all and end all in a relationship right mm-hmm. however it mm-hmm. is true to say we'd never hear stories of people divorcing or breaking up because the sex is too good or there's too much of it that's true so for, for me you can't really say that with a lot of things so while i don't think it's healthy to just emphasize the importance of, of sex but also we can't minimize the fact that actually we have no evidence that says that people are divorcing because the sex is too good or or it's it, there's too much of it absolutely i also think that what's interesting in some of the cultural messaging is that sex ends at a particular time in your life like as if older people aren't having sex or you don't have a certain type of sex past a certain age that's simply not true that doesn't bear out in statistics and it's not true so it's kind of like to your point while it should not be all that a relationship is at least for most people um it is a significant part of a relationship and it deserves i think its rightful place in the conversation Um, about partnership and intimacy yeah exactly i guess i guess there'd be one concern for for me which Mm -hmm. as a as a man well i think it's more of a concern for a woman so you know i know from just listening in and people opening up to me and me you know being open and available to, to people there is times where maybe the woman thinks the man is is happy because they're still being intimate. Mm-hmm. Whereas often when, when a woman reaches a point where she's not being intimate, that that means, yeah, there's something really wrong. But sometimes there could be something really wrong, even when a man is being intimate with a woman, but mm-hmm. not, not so much the other way. So what do we need to be doing in order to make sure that our that our relationships are growing because I, I find the the problem with social media and all these dating apps now, mm-hmm. and the fact like my grandparents were married for fifty years and death did them part right, and now we have so much choice, so much opportunity that when things get difficult, we tend to go to to the next person or we can easily attach ourselves like emotionally to somebody else. What do we need to be doing if we're in a relationship that can really give it the, the biggest chance of continual, you know, growth and not us, you know, upgrading or, or go and find something? <laughs> upgrading. Yeah, I definitely understand what you're saying. And I think that the best way to create a foundation in which a long term relationship can 
sustain and grow is really, really developing the, the, the intellectual intimacy and emotional intimacy part of your relationship. And you were kind of mentioning the fact that a man can be intimate and there still be things within the relationship that are not needs that are not being met while the reverse sometimes is not opposite or the opposite it's not the same for women and what i say to that is that we need to practice and cultivate a environment in which both partners can be emotionally intelligent and that's speaking from a place of i feel what are your feelings and what are your needs and often i lean into in couples work tangible needs so i'm irritated because the dishes are left out. I need the dishes to be put away every night. And so it's like when you can cultivate kind of the ability to, I use cultivation a lot in this podcast, but if you can lean into emotional intelligence, talking about feelings, checking in with someone's interior world, being on the same page as a team right like what are our team goals where are we headed together are you still okay with this am i still okay with that then that can really set the foundation for longevity in a partnership yeah i love that and i love that you've actually said that for you for you and it is it's really true but i think it's because we hear the word emotional intelligence a lot and you've just really made that really simple for, for people. It's their ability to be able to communicate what they feel. So it's mm-hmm. I feel. So it's about being in tune with how you feel, why you feel that way, what's the context behind it, and having the courage and the safety to be able to express what you feel. And then also the courage uh, to let people know what your needs are, because sometimes Absolutely. we have to tell people how to love us. Absolutely. And that's also part of boundary work. But it's like everyone has needs and your needs are okay. Does it mean that all your needs are going to be met at the same time all the time in the way that you want them to be? No, or perhaps yes, right? Like partnership, there is an element that is about negotiation. But I can't negotiate with you if I don't know what your needs are. And if you don't know what your needs, then you're unable to express them so that we can come to the table and work them out together. Yeah. Also, like I said, with boundary work to the point of showing people or teaching people how to love you, right? When you set boundaries, you say, this is okay and this is not okay. It's a form of love. It's a form of saying, we're on the same page. Like now you know what makes me feel a certain way and what does not. Mm. Love that. So today we've only got a few minute, moments left. Um, what is the best way for people to get in touch with you? And do you have maybe like one final thought or, or something that we haven't captured that you really want to communicate? I think we've captured a lot of it. <laughs> the best way for people to get in touch with me is you can go to my website, um, com, and you can reach me by email. There's a form to fill out if you have any questions. And I think one thing to note moving forward and what we haven't maybe talked about is the concept of sex positivity and this reimagining what sex means not only for yourself but for the greater world and the more that we're able 
to talk about it and we hit upon this, but I just want to reaffirm the more that we we're able to talk about it, the more that we we're able to hold space for each person's experience, the better able we are to um, to give people the tools they need to protect themselves and live the best life that they need to live. Love that. And I think the work that you're doing is really important because I do think that it's inevitable that you know sex in particular has a lot of bad press and it also has some good but since people are talking about it and it's inevitable it's much better for us to to talk about it in a way that's going to be helpful and meaningful than than ignore it just because it's a little awkward or something that has in the past been deemed as like not appropriate to talk about exactly Absolutely. And the more that you talk about something, the less those feelings of awkwardness or shame or sometimes being isolated, right? People can feel isolated in their relationship to sex. And we want to let people know that there is a shared experience and to hold space for all of those. Yeah, I love that. Thank you, Danae. It's been really uh, good and helpful and really important, I think, for us to talk about it. Yeah, thank you for having me. This was a lot of fun. <laughs> You're welcome. Thank you for joining this episode with me, Mark Sefton. I hope you've really enjoyed it. Feel free to leave us a positive review on iTunes. And I look forward to welcoming you back to the next episode of the Brains Magazine podcast.